0: Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials. This one is dedicated to Jordan Foyt-Roberts' King Kong extravaganza. Giant apes everywhere. Well, just one really. Uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, which came out last week. Um, Hopefully, you've had time to catch up with the film, for this is a spoiler special. And as such, discusses all manner of plot revelations, third act developments, just how hairy Kong is. All that sort of stuff. We're going to talk about it all. Uh, And by we... I mean, Helen O'Hara. Hello. And Nick Disemlian. Hello. Who was on sets of this movie. And I say sets because he travelled the world with Kong Sky Island.
1: I was very lucky. I got to go to three continents. I got to go to uh, Hawaii. I got to go to Australia. And I got to go to Vietnam. I know wow. those are not all continents <laughs> <laughs> Some But they're on different continents But they're different And it rained everywhere I went Everywhere I, everywhere I went It brought rain and ruined Ruined wow. choosing days Why does
2: things. it always rain on you? I know
1: oh, Is it because you lied time. when you were 17? <laughs> Might be <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can either confirm or deny it this time uh, So we're going to be talking about the film in, in great detail Very, very soon But first We're going to have an interview With Jordan Floyd Roberts The director of the movie uh, John Nugent of this parish, sat down with him recently and talked about the film in great detail. So once again, if you have not seen Kong Skull Island, stop listening, go and see it, and then come back and listen, because here is Jordan Voight-Roberts. Enjoy.
3: Uh, We are delighted to welcome to the Empire Podcast, the director of Kong Skull Island, Jordan Voight-Roberts. Welcome, sir. How
4: are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me.
3: It's a pleasure to have you. Um, We're going to get right into spoiler territory. Let's do it. This is a spoiler podcast. Spoiler it up. So we'll start right, instead of the beginning, we'll start right at the end. Okay. The post-credit sequence, which has got a lot of people talking already. um, It's really interesting. What can you tell us about that? Was that always in place from the start? Who came up with that We
4: had a bunch of different variations of that. You know, we actually shot that. During principal photography. We shot that while we were in Australia, so it's not something we shot after the fact. Uh, and ironically, it was not attached to the movie for a long time uh, because somebody decided that uh, it didn't jive with, like, the the future of Monarch. And okay. it really was a last-minute thing over the last couple of weeks that, you, you know... <laughs> it's that ironic part of filmmaking where like somebody else suddenly says like, Hey, that thing's really cool. Why isn't that on the movie? And then everyone's goes, Oh yeah, yeah, that needs to be on the movie. And then you sit there and you're like, guys, I've been saying this for, <laughs> for months now that this should be on the movie and people are going to love it. Yeah. Um, but we had a ton of variations of that scene. We, there was one version of that scene where like Conrad and Weaver were on a boat in the Arctic ocean with, uh, Brooks and they're like, uh, "What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for?" And Brooks is like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on!" And then like Godzilla surfaces and okay. it like breaks a bunch of ice. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're like, "Well, that doesn't really drive with Godzilla then, because in Godzilla they say it hasn't surfaced since you know the, yeah. the, the, the atomic bomb test." So there were a lot of variations of that, and then it sort of became this much more stripped down. Uh, scene that hopefully, you know, the response to it honestly is kind of like even shocked me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I think it seems to just be evocative.
3: Yeah. Was there a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> negotiations with Legendary and Toho and... A lot oh of yeah, it was, a, it was a
4: big thing with <clears throat> uh, with Toho. You know, they are rightfully very protective of, of their monsters and their creatures as they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that was uh, not just an easy thing of saying, let's put Rodan and, yeah. and Mothra and, you know, all of these creatures in here and, you you think nothing of it yeah. uh, it was it was certainly like there, there were conversations that went back and forth for sure yeah okay so
3: we've we've gone to the the end let's start right back at the beginning then you you joined the project uh when it's already in, in motion and there was already a script um which you've sort of completely revised to your own designs i guess
4: uh, yeah when i got involved or when they pitched it to me Uh, They were like, hey, we want to do this Skull Island movie. And, yeah, we wanted to ultimately connect to this larger Monsterverse we're building. But their version of the script took place in, like, 1917. It was, like, a a different kind of adventure movie. Kong, actually, was barely in the script. It had more to do with... um... Kong almost was treated like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, where he's, like, an important part of it, but it wasn't his movie. And, you know, I sort of said... Guys, I, I love you, and I love King Kong, and and I think it's cool that you guys are building this monster verse. But I don't understand why this movie has a reason for being. And the script was very cool, um, but it just wasn't for me. I didn't understand how I could make that movie, and why why that movie had a reason for being. Uh, audiences are skeptical these days. They're skeptical of franchises. They're skeptical of cash grabs, and so. <clears throat> Uh, I just, you know, I, I, it was also trying to play a little bit of the Beauty and the Beast game, you know, and and so I was just like, you know what, I, I just don't think that this is for me. And the cool thing about Legendary and Warner Brothers is their response was sort of saying, whoa, 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 you know, like the classic thing in Hollywood is like, the more you say no to something, the more someone's like suddenly, yeah. hey, wait, 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 let's talk about this. <laughs> um And so I went away that weekend and started thinking about whether there was a version of this movie that I would see. And for a lot of reasons, first and foremost being the fact that in the 70s, in the early 70s, we launched the Landsat program, which were these satellites we put up into the sky and started looking down at the Earth. And we were starting to map the Earth. And I loved the idea that that felt like a credible way to sort of have a modern day take on this thing. And as soon as that happened, then suddenly choppers and napalm and sunsets and hendrix playing and the, just this, this quick quintessential idea of like apocalypse now in king kong or a, a vietnam war movie <clears throat> like platoon or something with um cre- like a creature feature or like a Harryhausen film you know like that that aesthetic genre mashup and that's even beyond the thematics of the time period which was super interesting to me <clears throat> because there's sort of a black mirror of what was happening now <clears throat> um uh, that idea just seared itself in my head and I went and I pitched them that idea the following Monday legitimately thinking they were going to laugh me out of the room you know it was one of these things where I was like I would see that movie yeah and I would make that movie and I feel like my friends would want to see that movie and I was like I've never seen that movie before and I think we live in a time when all these movies feel routine and feel like you've seen them before so I pitched it thinking they were gonna be like you're an idiot get out of this room right now and instead they said okay you know what? let's figure that out so yeah it completely <clears throat> was a page one rewrite it completely throughout that old script and wow. uh, just kind of riffed from there
3: so there's no element at all from that original script that's that made it to the final
4: uh, at one point they did get on a boat in that script and okay. they kind of go up river um, but, uh, look, I haven't read that script in a long time, and I think there's very cool stuff. I remember there being very cool stuff in that script. But the, the writer who came on didn't really read that script. And, you know, the writer who wrote that script eventually came back and did a bunch of very cool stuff for us because he's a very talented guy. Um, but, no, I don't think that there were... M- I, I don't think they were, like, they were... The creatures in that movie were kind of, like, dinosaur-based and, mm-hmm. like, had a f- weird Zeppelin in it. It was, like, it was a very very different film
3: okay so talk me through the um the opening scene I've, i read somewhere that that was quite different to begin with like it's, it's it starts out with just two soldiers but was there more of a war <laughs> element to
4: begin with no at one point there was that scene is almost exactly how i envisioned it <clears throat> okay there's two funny things with that scene one is the first version of the cold open that popped, you know, right now it's like this weird sort of, like, riff off of almost like a Spaghetti Western thing on this beach uh, that's this weird, like, hell in the Pacific two soldiers trying to kill each other two countries trying to trying to kill each other and then suddenly being presented with something much greater than themselves and sort of realizing how foolish their like petty squabbles are at one point an actor we were talking to was like oh there should be a dog fight in the sky there should be a dog fight and so the studio was like oh, let's put a dog fight in the movie it's like no it's unnecessary we don't need to see a dog fight like it's more evocative just seeing this guy fall out of the sky but my my alternate opening <laughs> to that, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. The alternate <laughs> opening to to. Uh to the movie to me that I initially pitched them and this is true and they said you're crazy we can't do that was I wanted to have it's World War II so I, like I was like oh man like a you know a full squad comes to this beach mm-hmm. and like they're just killing each other it's like just island warfare they're just battling each other and battling each other and then suddenly this giant monkey uh, that looked a lot like the monkey in the last King Kong movie comes out of the jungle <laughs> and they just kill it and it's dead and then you just sit there sitting and being like wait did they just kill King Kong? Oh, wow. Did they? And they, did they just kill like the, the, the hero of this film, <laughs> and uh, and then you would hear this roar, and then you would see this like this much bigger creature that's our creature, and you're right. like, oh, that's this movie. But to me, that was like the the uh, crazy version of me being like, we need to send a message that this isn't like. The, you know the, the other king kong movies that you've seen and they were like you can't do that that's great. <laughs> um but I, I actually i love that cold open scene like them on the beach this yeah. hell in the pacific thing uh that's that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie that i think actually really subtly communicates how like left of center the whole like i actually laugh at that scene like him missing with the bullets is like ooh, so <laughs> yeah so weird and goofy and strange yeah and uh yeah I I love it
3: and it's a great introduction to Kong as well I mean you really it really feels like a big dramatic movie moment that you know you you have to sit up and
4: well that and I also just I wanted to show Kong from the very beginning I wanted Mm -hmm. him in the first scene you know I want like I I love what Garrett did with Godzilla and I think he did such a good job with that film that I so fundamentally didn't want to withhold the creature Mm -hmm. you know like they played that game and they did that so well and I I just I don't like the expectation that these movies have to withhold the creature you know which is funny because in most horror like less is generally more yeah you know like the less you see of the xenomorph the less you see (laughs) of a lot of these 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 monsters or uh uh, you know, villain creatures is generally more evocative, but I was so inspired by things like Bong joon Ho's the host that just put the creature out there. And mm-hmm. then it's about how that creature affects your story and your characters.
3: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about uh, Kong and his sort of design? I mean, he's the tallest he's ever been in this movie, right? He's about a hundred feet. Or
4: well, so. yeah, sort of. I mean, he's technically taller than Toho's Godzilla versus okay. Kong, you know, um, there's like a weird technicality with that. Yes. Um, You know, whether or not you count that like a canon movie is like a whole different conversation. Yeah, Yeah, he's huge. And it's funny because people want to have like a really negative view of that at first and be like, oh, he's really big because they want him to fight Godzilla. And it's actually like, no, that was one of the things that I wanted to do early on was I wanted him to be big and that big because I wanted the first instinct that you or I had, if you were to look at it, was to not say that's a big monkey or that's a big ape. Like, whoa, that, that ape is suffering from gigantism. But to have the first synapse fire in your brain say, that's a god. I'm looking at a God. And then what does that do to you? Does that make you like the atheist, the believer, the agnostic? You know, like what does that inspire within you? Does it make you want to kill it or protect it or whatever? And, you know, with that design, like it really was intended to be sort of a throwback to that 1933 version where he was like a classic movie monster. Mm. He's not just a gorilla. You know, he's not just a big ape. Like he's his own species and (laughs) he's got those heightened like cartoonish elements and the big brow and the exaggerated feature and the bug eyes and, and then I just wanted to take him in, like almost stand him even more upright, like make him, make him into this God and this lonely God and this, this like protector of the island with this thankless task and for him to carry himself with the nobility of a king, but to have like this melancholy tragedy underneath him. Mm.
3: And yeah, I, I'm fascinated by his sort of combat style in this movie. I mean, he really... He's, he's a proper brawler, but he's also like an improviser. He finds weaponry where he, wherever he can. Well, what was the inspiration there?
4: Well, part of that is me trying to like... Just thinking about like, what haven't I seen before? What do I want to see on screen? And, you know, the idea of him like unsheathing a tree to use it <laughs> yeah. as like a bat sword yeah. was like... I just loved the idea of him stripping a tree like that. And I, and I wanted to put in imagery and I wanted to to put in a a thinking process and a thought process that would help future proof him in future movies because if he's gonna take on Godzilla who's gonna be enormous, like he's really gotta have an ingenuity to him. Mm -hmm. So I loved the idea of seeing him use tools and improvise and he totally is a brawler. But his fighting style honestly has more to do (laughs) this was a big thing. (laughs) And you know, it was about a year into the process with Industrial Light and Magic Or geniuses who designed my childhood and it's an honor to work with those guys and they're amazing. But uh, Jeff White, who was our visual effects supervisor, turned to me and he's like, "You know, we're about a year in, and I think we finally figured out your your like aesthetic style, <laughs> just because the way that he would normally move, or the way that a creature of that size should move." is not how he moves in the movie. The way he moves in the film is a way more hyper-stylized, like kinetic thing that has more to do with like the way the mechs move in Evangelion Mm -hmm. uh, or an anime than like a big creature of that size. Like there was a lot of Evangelion references in the film, but particularly like just that that very like manga, like hyper-stylized, very fast uh, brawling. Like to me, that was a huge thing because getting the animation right and not having to move in the simian way and, and getting that like that that, that potency and that power mm. and that kind of like visceral rawness to it, um, as opposed to these slow lumbering you know things punching each other, uh, that was a, it was a huge thing kind of like breaking that through and getting that right.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm also fascinated by the some of the other monsters on this island. I mean, the creature design must have been. a a fun job
4: to do you must uh, was there a lot of discarded ideas that never made it to screen there were thousands and thousands and thousands of creature designs that never made it to screen because very early on I was like well I don't want to do dinosaurs Mm -hmm. Peter did dinosaurs really well Jurassic World did dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are recent in our memory. And to me, as like a genre nerd and as like a movie monster nerd and a creature feature nerd, like what an incredible opportunity to design these things from the ground up. So, you know, we would show people sketches or I'd show friends sketches. Do you feel like you've seen this before? Do you feel like you've seen this before? And there was this period where we were getting pretty far on the Kong design. And we were getting pretty far with a lot of the production design, but there was still this huge hole of like... You know, the the, the the concept art and the imagery l- uh, drove the script in everywhere in every way like we were always ahead of the script and so the script was always having to catch up to us to say here's this creature so we're designing a set piece around this here's this creature so we need to put this in here you know sometimes writers would try and write like oh it's this cool thing but like never once did any of those things of like i think someone writing a weird creature like ever make it in the movie because the concept art and the designs that we were doing was always uh leading the script um And that's a testament to, like, how incredible the concept artists and and people that I was working with are. Um, You know, and so if you're designing things from the ground up, it took a long time before we stumbled upon what I sort of have referred to, and it's out there, sort of this, like, Miyazaki element. Mm. You know, like, the the water buffalo is the one that sort of broke it open initially, where it felt like it had a mythic quality. And the myth is such a big part of this movie to me. And it had this mythic quality where it had a spirituality to it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it had this sense of... uh, uh, if Kong is the god of the island, then these creatures are the gods of their individual domains. And so, having all these creatures have like a majesty <clears throat> and a beauty, like I, I almost would think about them, like if the like if Terrence Malick shot a monster movie, like <laughs> would this creature look beautiful in it? Yeah, you know. And and so that the buffalo kind of was the thing that broke it open, that became this guiding force for that.
3: Yeah, I I think that the giant stick insects. There's something quite sort of fairy tale and magical about them, and in it and a, in a also, also you know. Morbidly uh, dangerous way as well.
4: Well, yeah, it's one of those things. Where, well, that's also like a very like weird pacifist moment where it's like, oh, like you shoot this thing, it scared the shit out of you, and then very quickly you're like, oh, I f- I'm so sorry, yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry, I yeah, did yeah. that, and then he dies, you know, yeah. uh, and he dies because, <clears throat> not because, but you know, it, it, it says something that the, the guy who shot first, you know, and foolishly sort of reacted that way, you know, is killed. Yeah. Um, and there, there's just something. I just love that sort of weird, like, the water buffalo, too. That scene, like, is totally about some weird pacifism in terms of, like. Yeah. Thinking and not assuming everything is bad, and not assuming that everything wants to kill you. And you know, uh, Slivko putting his gun down, and Weaver bringing her camera up. And I mean, as you say, there's there's there is
3: you know, it is more than just a monster movie. You're going for. I mean, there's there's a clear sort of allegory for Vietnam here. but There's also like an environmental element to that. Was that was was this an, a sort of element from the start <coughs> in the sort of earliest drafts of the scripts?
4: Yeah. Well, I I just really felt like it, it was unfair to play with the imagery of things like Apocalypse Now or the Vietnam War and not say something. You know, like, I just, I didn't think that it was an appropriate thing to just, like, pillage that imagery and not have a message associated with it. <clears throat> and so for me, like the allegory of the war was always necessary and I'm actually like psyched how much of that made it in uh, cuz there were conversations at first they were like we can't you guys can't say anything about the war. And I was like no, we're not going to make a movie about Vietnam <clears throat> and then not say something about the war. Um, and it's not like we're like breaking new ground with it, but um, I think I think it was necessary and, and the you know the environmental stuff like very much plays off of the thematics of things like Mononoke and and, and man's relationship with nature and man's relationship with gods and man's relationship with the unknown and being okay with the unknown you know and being and like being reconfronted with myth and things greater than us and and not having that freak us out but being okay with it
3: yeah and it's got such a strong sort of distinct visual style and, and aesthetic to it is there a is there a shot that you're you're most proud of or that you're is a sort of personal favorite of yours
4: um, there's a lot that I'm pretty proud of. You know, I, I had an incredible DP, Larry Fong, with me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, I think if anyone saw Kings of Summer, my last movie, and then saw this, they'd actually, like, see a lot of connections between mm. them in terms of the way it's shot. Um, but, you know, suddenly you have a big budget and you can do all these crazy things. Like Kong's reveal, like, bo- like those sunsh- sunset shots where he's silhouetted, like, I'm really, really proud of those. I think those are really striking. Um, and I think, like can sit on the mantle of like monster reveals in in movies and Kong reveals. Um uh there's just a lot of like weird like strange imagery that I'm like odd like all the stuff with the with the gas mask, you know <laughs> they were trying to cut that forever. They were like, why? why? Why does he have a gas mask? Why is he why is he in smoke? What's why what 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 and it's like uh it looks cool, and it, well, it's not just that. It honestly, like, it, the, the moment totally made sense to me, and then there was like, it's it's honestly like a divisive moment. Some people will watch me like, that's that's stupid. Yeah, that's way too stylized. That's stupid. And the moment for me that really sealed it was when we were doing a test screen, and there were two like nine year old kids in front of me. And that moment came on where Tom Hiddleston has the gas mask and he's in the green smoke slicing the birds. Yep. And the two nine-year-old kids just turned to each other and their jaw, like, in unison, <laughs> and their jaw dropped. And then they looked back at the screen and you could just tell how happy it made them. And so to me at that moment, it was just, like, un. Unequivocally, something that had to stay in the movie.
3: Yeah, I did wonder. This sort of leads me on to. There's a lot of references to uh, other media. Let's say throughout the film, is the samurai sword? I mean, it's a, you know, it's John C. Reilly's characters originally. Is that a reference to Step Brothers by any chance?
4: You know, I've never told John this, but I've never seen Step Brothers. You've never seen Step Brothers? No. Okay, so I it's haven't. not a reference then. Uh, no, <clears throat> that's a reference to me <clears throat> uh, loving. Asian culture okay and being obsessed with samurai yeah and um and there actually is a Mononoke reference built into that sword okay. um, but uh no that's not a step <laughs> Okay, <thing. laughs>
3: I was reaching a bit too far there, maybe uh, I did definitely spot uh, an obvious one for the Jurassic Park where Samuel L. Jackson says hold on to your butts because I love some of the nerdier ones what's, uh, what's if you want to get really st-
4: nitty gritty yeah. um okay so there is a there's one that I'm not going to say because I'm really curious how long it's going to take for people to find it. <laughs> okay. um you know, what, I'm just going to... There's there's a very explicit taxi driver reference that no one's brought okay. up yet. Um, they, like, the patch that John C. Riley wears on his jacket, it says Lizard Company. Okay. And Travis Bickle wore a patch that said King Kong Company. Uh, okay. And, no, like, no one's brought that up, and it's in the trailers, and I think that's really funny. Um, I did notice the For Your Health on the back, the Steve Brawl. Well, reference. Steve Brawl, but it's also Akira. It's, okay. It's, it's a funny, it, like, you know, uh, uh, the... Akira jacket says good for your health, bad oh, okay. uh, for education. On it, and so it happened to align with. It's funny, double reference. More, yeah, more people associated with Steve Brule yeah. than Akira, which is uh, it makes sort of amazing and odd to me. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, that's definitely an Akira reference. Um, <clears throat> there is God. I mean, there's there's an alien reference in the movie, like a very specific one. There's a. Uh, uh, th- th- honestly like this movie is just so chock filled <laughs> with honestly one day I want to just like <clears throat> put a list online yeah and be like find all these references and then yeah. see what people come back with, you know, and see see if, if they can find them all then I'll give them like one of the samurai swords or something <laughs> from the movie.
3: On uh, on Hot Fuzz, Edgar Wright put a, a commentary track or a subtitle track where he just put a subtitle for every reference in the movie. Oh, like, that's interesting. every movie reference. So perhaps that's something for the Blu-ray.
4: That's interesting. I didn't think about that. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get into it in the, like, on a, I'm sure on the Blu-ray I'll be like, that's this, that's yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's hard to like listen to this and not... Uh, not have the visual with it but sure. there's so many weird references like is
3: them. it just a is it just like a nod to there's your a huge metal gear d-
4: reference you know the boat right. the boat's called the gray, gray fox. fox yes, yes. yeah
3: <laughs> i'm very
4: excited for kojima to
3: watch <laughs> yeah uh so we'll see yeah I d- yeah, I wanted to ask a little bit about Monarch, which is obviously like, it's the connective mm-hmm. tissue between your film and Godzilla and then the rest of the, right. the, the monsters first. Uh, well, have you have you hashed out a, like a backstory for Monarch? What, how, what exactly is it? Sort of extra governmental.
4: <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of like internal legendary documents that sort of detail what Monarch is to some degree. <laughs> but, you know, we were really trying to tell the best story for our movie, so... You know, and that's actually why the end credits tag got taken off for a second because they were worried that the like the space they were in and the the mm. the, the facility that was being designed didn't like jive with what Monarch was. Um, you know, because they've got a lot of that Monarch stuff sort of plotted out what it was when it was developed. You know, and this movie sheds a little bit more light on that. But um, you're going to see, I think, much much more of that in Godzilla too.
3: Yeah and uh i guess just on the future of of the monsters verse, are you are you party to any of that at all have you has there been any discussions about your I've seen
4: some really cool concept art and some really cool um Previs for Godzilla 2 uh, that people should be pretty excited about, but uh, no, as of right now, like I'm not a part of. Um, uh, I've not been asked to be a part of a think tank or anything like that. I, you know, I think that they're kind of getting through Godzilla 2, and I know that they're like starting to write the script on Kong versus Godzilla. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of keep joking that the movie that I'm actually most interested in seeing is is a prequel to this. That's just John C. Riley like fighting monsters <laughs> with a katana and like what his relationship with Gunpei, the 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 Japanese pilot, yeah. is, and what his relationship to like the ewe the villagers are right like that that like make like a 30 million dollar version of that that's like weird and funny and yeah. like kind of this weird you know in like a looper district nine sense <laughs> <Like> that's, <laughs> right. that's the movie that I'm actually most interested in making
3: okay well that's that could be interesting <laughs> what about uh, I mean there's been no director announced for Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> is, is that something you would be interested in do you think
4: I have a lot of love for both those characters. I would much rather make the prequel that I just talked about, or, like, I I don't see how that fits into my life necessarily because if I'm going to go take on a a giant big movie, like Metal Gear Solid would be the movie that I would much rather sort of uh, throw my uh, attention towards uh, because of my love for that property. So, you know, I've played with monsters and I've played with Kong and, uh, I guess you could technically say, like, I've played with Godzilla just because of our our, our end tag. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't... I, I, look, never said never, but we'll see. Okay. Jordan, thank you so much for your time. Dude, thank you pleasure. so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep.
0: Okay, so that was Jordan Fout-Roberts. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the movie and talk about spoilers and, and whatnot, just general reaction to the movie. What's your take on it, Nick, as someone who was practically in the movie? I believe you did some mocap and Kong. I was a sc- I
1: was a skull crawler. They were they were modelled on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. You know, I I it's a it's a kind of quasi follow up to Godzilla, the legendary Godzilla, which I thought was a little bit on the dull side. It looked amazing. Mm-hmm. But a little bit boring and I thought that they brought the fun here uh, it's not a perfect film it definitely has flaws but it's got a giant monkey and it really is a giant monkey this time twatting helicopters no, it's, it's
2: an ape they would want me to make that clear I feel like <sighs> isn't it
1: well then you many you of my puns that? in the future I think I have to go back and rewrite. <laughs> Um but yeah I had fun with it I, I, I think it has you know it does have problems there are way too many characters yeah. for one way too many it's like five films worth of characters and for a film that kind of follows Aliens, um, the model I, I think is Aliens in a way. Obviously, Apocalypse Now to an extent, hmm. but um, Aliens does a great job of, of giving every character depth and, and something to do. This doesn't really pull that off. But the visuals are great.
2: I agree, actually, with that. I think I think that the um, so we saw this a few weeks ago now, and I just uh, uh, the weekend I saw the trailer again, and it reminded me how great the. It looks and how great the monsters are and how great some of those fight scenes are they're absolutely astonishing but for me that was what was was missing was a little bit more of the human drama I feel like they had an incredible cast like just chocker with incredibly talented actors and I wanted them all to have more to do and I think I think I sort of said this in the main podcast but I think this is why um, Peter Jackson made that decision to make his Kong three hours long. It may have felt too long but it did give him that time to build up the human characters and still have all this space to, to let the beasts strut their stuff. And so I kind of I'm not saying it should have been three hours long. I'm really really not. But I just I would have, I would have sacrificed a couple of action scenes I think to have or, or certainly as you say a, about ten characters to have a little bit more focus on the ones that remain.
1: You could have lost ten or twenty. Maybe yeah. thirty. Still would have worked.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think there's too many characters. Uh, I think it's it's. it's I think it's already too long, this movie, mm. uh, in fairness. Uh, it doesn't quite do what I wanted it to do. If you follow the Aliens template, the thing about Aliens is that an alien doesn't appear in Aliens until an hour in, even though you know it's coming, and it builds up the tension in a masterful way. Uh, and this movie, I thought, it uh, it, it blew its Kong load far too quickly for me. Wow. Um, well, I, agree kind of with that.
1: I agree with that entirely. If you have a monster movie, you know, Jurassic Park does it brilliantly. Um, Jackson's King Kong does it brilliantly. Mm. That slow build up to the reveal. Mm. And I think if you have the prologue as, as kind of cool as that idea is, mm. you're giving a lot away, including what the island looks like. Yeah. Which I think, you know, the Jackson one, they're approaching the island of the ship and there's that sense of dread and what, what are we going to find? Mm. And they have that in this movie with the storm, but you've already kind of seen what the island looks like. So... That doesn't really work.
0: Yeah, I think the I think the idea of the the prologue. I, I enjoyed the prologue. Uh, I'm not as up in the movie as you guys are. That may become abundantly clear. Uh, I call the movie wrong, dull island. But, oh, but that's Come just on. an obvious pun. So <laughs> it calls you, you piss poet. It, do? <laughs> it doesn't. Not it does. It told me. Does it? No. Oh my god! It's a film. Can't talk. <laughs> piss poet. It.
2: <It's... laughs> I'm so sorry, Chris. I'm
0: having such a flashback right now. No, ew. Um, no, not no, not to this morning, but uh, to my childhood, because that was kind of my nickname. Anyway, oh. uh, so this yeah, this movie I thought wasn't satisfying uh, on um, many levels. <laughs> I thought, um, but the idea of the the prologue is pretty cool, and if they just held back on showing the monster right away on showing Kong right away, who knows that
1: might have. It's a weird one because obviously they show. Kong, even with the Jackson one, they show Kong heavily in the marketing. We had mm. Jackson's King Kong on the cover, and so you already kind of know what it's like. But once you get into the cinema, I think there is a there is a, a positive to having that slow build up.
2: Yeah. What do we? What did you think about Kong's design? Because it took me a little bit of time to get used to. And I know it's close to the 1933 original. Um, that just something about the head shape. But I actually really like the more gorilla look of of Jackson's Kong and so it, it actually took me quite a while to get used to this Kong I was like oh he's too upright he's too sort of human in his movement it, it it really took me a good 20 minutes half an hour to even sort of accept that this was Kong in a weird
1: way yeah hes he walks around like a person doesn't yeah, he yeah mm-hmm. he does just sort of strolling around I think one of the first shots of him walking around on the island, like the full body shot, sort of pans up his ass for quite a long time, <laughs> um, which was a bit disconcerting. But I, I think he looks good. And I think uh, it's, it's interesting. I believe that uh, Toby Kebbell did the face work. Yeah. And yeah. Terry Notary did the body.
0: That seems to be what Which is the,
1: interesting that the they've is, yeah. divided, I wonder where the exact, <laughs> I wonder who did the neck. Um, but I thought it worked. I, I liked this Kong. Um, he had some soul. mm and he was pretty badass.
2: Yeah, he really was. Like, he's enormous. Like that—that that, that is something we should talk about. He's by far the biggest Kong.
0: Well, that's because they know where they're going with this. Uh, yes, and they know that they're going towards. Well, maybe going towards, depending on box office and whatnot. Godzilla versus Kong, so ultimately. Can and we talk
2: about this post-credit sting and this whole joined-up we, thing? We
0: certainly can. Because, the Monarch verse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Monarch
1: verse. Do, yeah,
0: yeah. I didn't like this post-credit sting. Uh, it's a it's a very knowing film and the thing about just going back to my point about the prologue and mm. uh, Foyt Roberts' decision to show Kong I mean he he shows Kong from the off and then he shows him again very early in the film yeah. and I think a part of that might be a reaction to or maybe a comment on the fact that so many movie news websites now exist no movie exists in a vacuum people are falling over themselves to get spoiler images to to reveal what things look like so he, he probably knew going in we would know what Kong looked like so why not just show him in the first few minutes of the film why not and I think also the, the post-credit sting is a bit of a comment on post-credit stings itself um, not in its overall terribleness but the beginning with Hiddleston saying you know I know you're there be- I've only seen this film once so yeah. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing wildly I can see you in the dark you're watching this you're enjoying it aren't you and it's like don't yeah, don't, was, don't was, leave. That, that I, I genuinely
1: <laughs> thought he might be in the projection booth. I was going, what is happening? This is really this is this is meta. Um,
2: but it's but it's another. The problem with that that I had was um, so presumably we're, we're tying up these two films now. We're presumably not tying up the human characters, right? Because yeah. Godzilla was present day. Um, yeah we're assuming everybody seemed to be shocked by Godzilla's appearance it wasn't like oh it's this dude again like it wasn't like oh we've seen him we know what we know what this is Mm. so presumably one would expect Godzilla v. Kong to take place after Godzilla um, unless they've done a really world level cover up (laughs) so none of the human characters presumably can return with like 40 years of ageing makeup that
1: would be amazing that's what I think is going to happen it's going to be Tom (laughs) Hiddleston and Brie Larson doing a Peggy Carter and just hobbling around with like liver spots <laughs> and no hair. yeah, That would be interesting.
2: It just, it seems, I, I get yeah. that you want to give your filmmaker the chance to make the film that they want to make. And I think that's commendable. That's something that we talked about with, yeah. um, with James Mangold just recently. Um, but at the same time, if you are intentionally building this as the second mm-hmm. in a continuing shared universe of monsters, don't you have to think about that and, and and does that mean that these these human characters were always you know intended to be one film use only? Uh, that, and that there's no carryover. It
1: was actually originally set even earlier. I can't remember the. I think it was. I think it was originally set in the 1930s still, until oh, Jordan okay. came on board well, and if then you pushed were, it up to the 70s, so it was never in the present day. Right. If you it's remember, were you at Comic-Con when this project was first announced? I was, yeah. Uh, so if you remember,
0: there was a teaser at Comic-Con uh, that basically just showed lush vegetation and showed things around the island and had a very portentous voiceover by a posh Brit so clearly they, were, they had Hiddleston on their mind <laughs> um, don't we all talking about how dangerous this place was and then it reveals at the end and it was just called Skull Island back then mm. so I think the idea might have you been just to have Kong at the end of the movie who knows uh, but clearly they were going for that seemed to me to be 1930s or even earlier just the, the vernacular that he was using the character in the in the yeah. voiceover was using very almost Victorian uh, phrases, right? Uh, so I, I'm I'm intrigued by this decision uh, to not join the films up, and I do wonder though if the one film, if the one and done, is part of the reason why it appealed to people like Hiddleston and Sam Jackson who have true had multiple film contra- contracts in their when yeah. they present, yeah, um, and maybe you don't always want to sign on for the for the the three film deal.
2: Maybe I, absolutely, maybe that's true, but I think it, it is symptomatic of what we're talking about, which is this this focus on. Um monsters rather than people. and I think and I get that it's a monster movie. I really mm. do, but i i I feel like you always need to have the human heart in there and i've mm. I've been writing about another film recently as as Nick knows because he commissioned me mm. and and everyone in re- regard to that film is is saying just that you need to have a human story as well as having you know big scary monsters.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get on to the humans in a minute, but um, I mean, what do we think of the seventies setting, like in general? I, I, I kind of thought, it, I had fun with it.
2: I thought it was cool, I, you know, and I, I thought the whole Vietnam parallels were were, were really like visually gorgeous and, and very cool, and um, perhaps a little bit, uh, um, perhaps a little bit of a change from the way that Vietnam seems to be. Treated generally speaking in American cinema, which is it's taken very seriously because it is still you know
0: and regretful and, and regretful and, uh, yeah.
2: So it was a bit of a, a shock to the system that way because it it didn't quite have that tone about it. There was there were elements of it certainly with you know Samuel Jackson's kind of war-addicted yeah, figure yeah. Um, and you know Toby Kebbell's character just desperate to get home already and be done with all of this. You know there was there were there were traces of it, but it, it tonally that it was sometimes odd, but visually it was brilliant.
1: Yeah. It felt like you had two Kurtz's in the film almost. Like Kong, was, Kong had a bit of a Brando vibe going on. Mm. And obviously Packard, Samuel L. Jackson. But yeah, I read someone point out that it's a, a metaphorical Vietnam film and a literal one. It's like there's a lot of Nam going on there. Um, but, I, you know, the helicopter scene alone, I think, yeah, was, yeah, was, was cool. made it worthwhile. I really enjoyed that scene. I mm. think that was the best.
2: And the, the music was good. The music was good.
1: I, I do wonder, though, because they're,
0: they're playing uh, final records on a helicopter. And You're the, worried about the, scratching The amount of skipping mm, That's true <laughs> Alone it's, it's, it's going to be Almost unlistenable Yeah That took me right out Of the movie
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That was unrealistic <laughs> That was the only Unrealistic <laughs> yeah. factor <And> then <laughs> the giant... 100,
2: 100 foot ape No <laughs> yeah. problem Squ- No problem <laughs> Hang
0: on He took me back Into that the movie re- That record like, isn't scratching <laughs> now, we're in, now we're on safe ground It's all good um, I, I I agree with A lot of what you say uh, um, Can I can I go full partridge? Can I shock you Um <laughs> I'm not a big King Kong fan (gasps) and I I realise that this is probably sacrilege and I know there are people out there not necessarily us this booth but film fans out there who adore the original King Kong movie and uh, and the 70s one I've never met anyone who
1: likes the 70s one nobody likes the The Jeff Bridges one which means that the Big Lebowski sorry the dude and Walter
4: are yeah. uh, both in a King Kong <laughs> film which,
1: which is an amazing fact. Okay, so
2: we need We need in the in the Godzilla versus Kong.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. I think we can make this happen. I do love that that you know John Goodman that obviously his character in Big Lebowski is banging on about Vietnam constantly and <laughs> that you were there. and I just love that he's now in a Vietnam film yeah. and it's this one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure he, he's equally overjoyed. Uh, he, made a, he made a joke uh, on the set that he spent most of his early life trying to avoid Vietnam and then he ended up shooting <laughs> it. Uh, but that was like his first time there. Huh? Market
0: zero, dude. Uh, but the I'm not a huge King Kong fan. I, I really I, I don't love the original movie. Get out. I didn't love the Peter Jackson film. Uh, I think there's some really great... The Kong... A uh, Fierax fight, and that is is one for the ages. Mm. But the rest of it is about two hours too long. I and it's
2: three really, hours long. I really liked it, and and yeah. I, I know that that's not a cool opinion generally the speaking. One. The Jackson one, yeah. Oh,
1: I love the Jackson one. I, I, I honestly love it. I can watch that over and over it's, again.
2: It's beautifully put together. I mean, yeah. some of the some of the the work in that is just sunning Kong against the sunset and all that kind of stuff.
1: It's got so much heart as well. So
2: much heart, and and um and you know it, they give it room to breathe. They give Kong so much sort of character development as a as a as a character in his own right, as a person in his own right. And I, I sort of adored that. And I was heartbroken by the time we got to New York. Absolutely and got, heartbroken. And it's got
1: beautiful little, you know, obviously we're not going to turn this into a podcast about that film, but it's <laughs> the beautiful little moments like near the end where Kong has killed one of the dinosaurs and he just sort of starts playing with the jawbone. Yeah. And it's such a nice little character beat that you don't need. It's not essential, but little moments like that. Mm. And I thought this was maybe missing a little bit of that personality yeah Yeah,
0: i didn't get to know kong or engage with kong in in this one uh so then you have to have the human characters take up the slack and i think for me two of the human characters really stood out and perhaps unexpectedly so uh one is uh shay wiggum's character cole i believe is his name (laughs) um who i thought was the only one of the grunts who really had something about him um, I thought he was very, very interesting, and I kind of felt really bad when he was denied the heroic death that that he was uh, trying to line up for himself. I know it's a joke in the movie that like, you think this is going to be the the way he goes out, and then he he just gets flung against the walls and afterthought and then explodes. Um, <laughs> it's the way I want to go. It's the way. It's the way. It's the way we should all go. Uh, and I really enjoyed John C. Riley and the multiple movies he was in. in this Yeah, film.
2: he was in a different
1: movie well, at least is, one. But... this is kind of interesting because all right, so on my second set visit, I went to Australia and the Gold Coast, and um, I got to see John C riley's one of his big big days, and he was doing this the monologue where he's in the Ewe temple and he's he's talking about you know we're on Kong's Island and, and you know we're, we're making enemies of him and it was really interesting watching them shoot that because they were going through so many modulations, some of them were pure comedy, and some of them were really serious, and they obviously were just leaving themselves so much room to figure out the uh-huh. character and they didn't quite John C Riley didn't quite know where he was meant to be going with Mm. it but they obviously went I mean you can kind of see that in the film there's a bit of inconsistency scene to scene Is
2: he tragic or comic or tragicomic? Yeah you can't quite figure it out
1: But he is an intro he's fun to watch for Mm. the most part Um, I do have thoughts about that the way the film ends on him I'm not sure that was necessarily the right right way to
0: end Because he becomes the emotional heart of the film in a way that you (laughs) just don't expect Yeah um, because as 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 good as they are in the film, the likes of Hiddleston and Brie Larson and Sam Jackson and John Goodman, who I think is completely wasted in this film after a really interesting start, I, I, watched, him I watched
1: him die. I watched man. him die. I saw two actors die on set. Who was the other one? The other one was John Ortiz in Vietnam. He, get, John- he gets he gets yanked off the boat, I believe. Mm. Yes, he does. He's got the briefcase, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I saw him being poor, or a stunt man, yeah. a stunt Ortiz being <laughs> yanked out of the boat like way up in the air which was pretty wow. cool well, um, but yeah that was good because I,
0: I don't think the other characters the main characters necessarily have the, the, the gravitas or the, or the the backstory to really make us I care just, for them they
2: just needed some more time they, mm-hmm. I mean, even one more scene with Larson and Hiddleston I think would have would have helped enormously because they, they kind of do try to set them up they try to set up oh look he's this sort of maverick former SAS guy he's very cynical he's kind of uh, not quite gone native, but he's he's gone off the grid a little bit. And then um and he's the guy who will who will help us out and, and figure this out and get us through this jungle. And then that isn't really what he gets a chance to do. Not not really. And then Brie Larson, oh she's a war photographer, we're not sure about her, maybe she's anti war. Mm. But that's it. There's no attempt to maybe And it's a help classified or, mission. Why yeah. is
1: there a photographer? On this classified mission.
2: So is she with them or against them? Or are they worried about that? Is she under orders to do some things and not other things? Yeah. What What is? Wh- yeah. How did that get set up? And She's there was
1: on. points where there was points where she would see this giant water buffalo creature that, n- that never exists anywhere else, and she takes mm. one photo of it. <laughs> that annoyed me slightly. It's like maybe get, get coverage. You know, maybe, like, maybe
2: she lost a bunch of her spare films in the crash. Yeah. I guess maybe, that was really but, um, Miyazaki. That moment, though, it was beautiful. Well, it, moment.
1: it Actually, was because yeah. Jordan said that that moment was inspired. By his and lover Miyazaki, and I mean, he's he's super geeky in the best possible way, mm. and so there's references to video games. There's a full metal, uh, sorry, not Metal Gear Solid reference in there, and all tons of of little nods and stuff. Yeah, um, in
0: fact, um, isn't uh, John C. Riley's jacket is, it, is a Steve Brule quote, isn't it? Is yeah, it's, it's, a, it's something reference? like "For
1: your health," which is yeah. like a reference to Steve Brule, who's obviously his Adult Swim Tim yeah. Eric kind of character. Um, but yeah, but going back to Conrad. My, my thought about Conrad is you've got this character who is a an amazing retired SAS tracker but you don't yep. introduce him doing anything that the, it just seems like screenwriting 101 introduced this guy doing some tracking because he does yeah. very little tracking in this film yeah. and and the, the bar fight you know he looks cool but i don't know i just imagine the scene well
2: do you think they were going for a sort of cantina a more Eisley cantina kind of an intro
1: yeah. It felt a bit like a Steven Seagal intro to me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, damning.
1: It, well, no, I mean, only in, you know, yeah. On Deadly Ground and all these Seagal yeah. movies. You introduce his character, you know, in the playing pool and beating up a load of guys in a park. It felt fairly first base. Yeah. And I just thought, have the guy in a jungle and then have the helicopter land and, and, you know, some people brief him on a mission he has to go on. Something like that. Because mm. he doesn't do a lot of tracking, really.
2: That's true. And I did, I did have a bit of an issue with the fact that, so it's basically once they crash land on the island it's about finding each other and finding the north corner where they where they might be picked up although it's not quite clear how because they have no helicopters anymore but that's fine um but because they become there gets to be a little bit of toing and froing. so you lose that sense of geography and you lose that sense of forward momentum um to get to a place by a time um so that yeah again that just you know it's like if it's difficult to get across the island you don't double back But even if Samuel L. Jackson tells you to you know you don't you don't go <laughs> you off do west if you know you need to get north
1: you do whatever Samuel L. Jackson maybe
2: tells you maybe you do yeah It's good enough for the Avengers
1: got a bit confused by what Toby Kebbell was up to in the middle <laughs> sort of cut to Toby Kebbell I was like what I forgot he was in the film at one point I thought they were going to do a really uh, dark
0: joke with Toby Kebbell that you know he would be spend the entire movie fending off threats And then they would get him at the end of the movie, and then he would be eaten. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But they just kind of lost interest in that story. It seemed to me, anyway, that he was—he has that really—and I did like the sequence because you think about it. He has that moment where uh, he's crouching in the uh, in the water by the water, Mm. and then Kong appears and uh, fights the giant octopus thing. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it does. So basically, Toby Kebbell playing a scene with himself, yeah, ish, uh, which is really interesting. I think Robbie Um, Collin described that as Kong's old boy moment. (laughs) <laughs> Which was uh, very nice. Um, uh, but that, that was a decent sequence and that character had potential to show someone who's utterly shit scared and being bombarded by things that, that can kill you. Mm. And then he meets one of the skull crawlers and just gets killed. And you're yeah. okay, what's, yeah. what's the point? In of it, it, it felt in
2: like he was built up too much to just yeah. get killed, but yeah. too little to... Yeah. For you to really be devastated by it,
0: and frankly Toby Kebble is a really good actor, mm. and I, I, I'm fed up with him being wasted in movies like this and Fantastic Four
1: and Ben Hur, and he deserves better dynamic. yeah, mm, I just, yeah. Well, why not have Conrad get stuck on his own and have him coming back to the group or, or something? I just think if you see the journey through one character's yeah. eyes, it's a lot more effective than yeah. jumping around and you're not really getting to know who anyone is. but I did love the uh, the log monster the stick insect. Monster. Yeah. Hmm. The log insect monster. The log insect <laughs> monster was really good. I
0: really, I like the sort of giant spider thing that. They, <laughs> that, was, that was a great scene. Spiked the guys yes. Yeah. I was
1: thinking about that this morning. Yeah. I saw a spider and back to that. <laughs> yeah. That's the sort of thing you do not want to see. That was your
2: NAM flashback. That was, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm going to be waking up sweating in the night thinking and about that point. scene, but that's a good scene.
2: It was, yeah.
0: But it's an interesting point as well about the the, the film's attitude towards uh, US military and uh, perhaps the US. Uh, US. Uh, Policy of shoot first ask questions later. Mm. I mean, they, they you know they they when they get to the island, Napalm first. They napalm first and ask questions later, yeah. and they shoot everything that they come across. Pretty much, the only thing even odd. the stick insect wants to get shot. I mean, what's it, going I mean, on? It, right? it,
2: it really. I mean, maybe this is uh, you know a valid scientific method in, from the nineteen seventies, and, mm. and this is something that really happened. But it did seem odd to me that. There's a, purportedly scientific expedition would napalm first and ask (laughs) questions. It's an entirely undiscovered world. They're talking about how it might have for example significant uh, oil reserves or or mineral reserves and I don't know, napalm and oil don't seem to go that brilliantly together to me. So, you know.
1: (laughs) I think technically those were the the things they're dropping are like seismic charges rather than napalm. I don't think they napalm anything. They're trying to to
2: uh-huh. but they're Green certainly blowing stuff out. up they're blowing yeah. shit up there's poor yeah. deer yeah.
1: running I mean I was talking to mm. Ollie Gibbs on our art desk yesterday about what a terrible year deer are having at the cinema that
2: is true like, yeah.
1: we, we've made a list of films in which deer get either hit by a car or shot and it's, it's oh, yeah, we're in wellness. early March and it's Cure for Wellness L Split Get Out Lost City of Z and this mm. um, although you don't see a deer get killed in this but
2: yeah I mean they're pretty good pull <laughs> one out for the deer they're
1: having a shocker pull one out for the deer yeah
0: I I, I I will toast it here tonight with my venison <laughs> dinner of course, of course I won't I won't I won't of course I won't tasty tasty deer <laughs> um, but it, it's interesting because I, I think one of the, one of the film's most uh, intriguing threads and it doesn't really follow through in this is the John Goodman character mm. because the John Goodman character is behind the expedition and uh, you kind of know from the author it's going to be something a little bit more to him uh, but I don't think it quite followed through with that. He's kind he of the drops, Carter Burke. Yeah, he almost. drops yeah. the seismic charges. He knows there's something on the thing. He has that interesting kind of sub quint speech about I was on a ship and I got attacked by something and I know the monsters are out there and you don't know, man. You weren't there. You didn't see. <laughs> uh, and I just feel that ultimately the, the movie loses track of him again. So by the time he's in the graveyard, the, yeah. uh, the, bone, yard, the bone graveyard, um, it's where bones go to die, a uh, bone graveyard. Uh, <laughs> that he gets killed almost as an
1: afterthought and you're thinking
0: no there's something interesting you about this you kind of want character. him at the
1: end of the film yeah. yeah yeah. and you want that moment where people turn on him and yeah it's, it's quite a good death though it's not a bad death that, that, was the, camera the whole
2: boom scene was pretty cool going actually. off yeah it was I thought quite that tense. was one
1: of the one of the better elements of the film is the deaths I thought they were quite imaginative for mm. the for the most part mm. Um, but I mean, what do we think about them shooting on location? Because that was that was that big selling point for the film. That, I mean, they they yeah. went to Vietnam, which no Hollywood film has ever shot there, and wow. um, went right into the jungle. I mean, it looked
2: stunning. I've, I think, in terms of just purely the locations, I think it looked absolutely incredible. I mean, that paid off, no, no question for me. Um, and, and I couldn't sort of see the joins between the two, between the three continents, if you like. Well, yeah, which... yeah, they
1: actually sort of jigsawed. The, I think they described it as jigsawing the three continents together mm. using CG. So there are shots where there is landscape from awesome. Um, yeah, and these big cast cliffs, jagged cliffs from Vietnam, they yeah. added to like the Hawaii scenery and stuff. So it's it's pretty clever what they've done.
2: It really is. I think that 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 part of it worked worked really really well. No no question about that as well. Um, what did you think about the uh, the natives on Skull Island?
1: Yeah. Not great. I kind of didn't really get why they were there even. I hmm. I I mean they're an essential part of kind of King, the King Kong story. Uh Jackson Peter Jackson got some flack I remember for how he portrayed the, the, the natives, the tribes people as being quite terrifying and um quite scary. And obviously these ones are a lot more placid. Um but I just they didn't really do anything.
2: No. And all. and they're maybe psychic and that was weird.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They had cool makeup.
2: They did have incredibly cool makeup, yeah. All of those sort of tattoos. And they had a cool
1: gate. I remember they had yeah. a pretty cool gate. Um, they they, they seem
0: to know an awful lot about the creatures <laughs> on the island, which is yeah. they seem to live behind a giant wall, kept them away from you. But then I guess you would know over the years
1: after you, you know you've been killed.
0: I just wonder how did they get feel, there? What's what's
1: yeah. what's the story? Yeah. Who knows? But I mean, um, I, I they like yeah, Moana Moana gave them a lift. I thought they could have been more proactive. They could have joined in in that final battle mm-hmm. and helped out against the Skull Crawlers, or just had something to do. I just thought yeah. it was, they set up all these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, didn't really sort of pay off, I don't think.
0: So where do we think it's, uh, it's going to go? Do we think it is going to go? I mean, tracking so far for the box office, we'll know by the time you're listening to this podcast, we'll, we'll know how it did. But um, I don't know if this one's going to make huge amount of money to box office. Probably wrong. Well, but.
2: that third incredibly spoilerific trailer was pretty spectacular looking, if mm-hmm. you don't mind the entire film being given the away. Marketing the marketing's been really good, I think. marketing's been really strong. Absolutely. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to do very solid business, I would expect.
1: The posters are amazing. Like yeah. the, the poster campaign. If you haven't seen all the posters, go on and have a look at them. They're yeah. incredible.
2: And in terms of where it goes, it is interesting, isn't it? I, I don't know. I think... I mean, so this Kong is about... You can... Set me right on this, Nick. but hundred feet tall, a bit more.
1: Oh gosh, um, yeah, let's go with that.
2: Okay, and the Godzilla was more like three hundred <laughs> feet. feet yeah. So a straight up fight between the two of them, you know, Godzilla has the advantage. Who's you would expect. to
1: say though that Kong is not a baby? at this point point in and time, and has
2: another 40 years because to grow because remember yeah,
1: the par- the, you see the parents in the boneyard mm-hmm. and who's to say that this Kong is not going to double in size in between the two That's movies that
2: is also po- possible yeah. although his parents skulls didn't look that much bigger than his good point but, but maybe, maybe, you know, were babies. Uh, increasing increasing radiation in the whatever over the years. Absolutely. Is la, 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 you know?
0: Yep. Listen, um, parents, children can be bigger than their parents. That is And they can true. just suddenly have a growth spurt. I've got a friend who's six foot five. His dad was only five foot eleven. It can happen. He could, yeah.
1: could be the Stephen Merchant of John Apes.
2: <laughs> he um, could be. Um,
0: so
1: I um, mean Godzilla is the Ricky Gervais <laughs> or the Carl um,
2: But presumably what, what we're sort of expecting, right? Is going to be some kind of team up rather than a straight up versus right does not isn't the film
0: godzilla versus kong is not that the name of the film at the moment yeah
2: but it was batman versus superman but they still teamed up at the end Did
0: oh what <laughs> uh yes because obviously they've they've revealed at the end of the movie that there are other monsters out yeah. there there's mumra Mothra. and jegwin and
2: <laughs> rodan
0: R- okay jegwin. yeah no. king Ghidorah i oh, 300 foot tall Keith Jegwin (laughs) Well I'd run But from the naked jungle That Keith Jegwin So
1: everything's out No gosh that that's, is that's, that's a villain even Godzilla couldn't be <laughs> you've got me thinking now at the end of at the end of that film are uh, Godzilla and Kong going to find they've got something in common
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but how do they find they got something in common? <laughs>
2: they can't speak maybe they can maybe they'll understand that oh it means Martha mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> your mom is Martha my mom is Martha oh my god <laughs> what did you say that name <laughs> um...
2: yeah presumably I mean one of those many other beasts that we see at the end of this film could unite them to whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, I mean, mm. Kong presumably is more agile than Godzilla, faster moving, potentially. Mm-hmm. He can pick um, things up. He can pick things he, up. He has a posable thumb.
1: He's got a great move where he pulls a tree out the ground and then strips it and then um, yeah, yeah. uses it as yep. like a kind of tree lance. Well, that's um,
2: true. I mean, um, gorillas do use tools.
1: Yeah. And he can also fling poo.
0: That's <laughs> that's not being around the bush here. It's a ty- tried and tested time-honoured <laughs> ape tradition if he sees Godzilla turn shit up he will tear shit up <laughs> so look, for, look forward to that uh. Uh, so it's literally on the IMDb at the moment it goes you click on trivia and it says yeah there's a post-credit scene with uh, <laughs> those three beasts at the end uh, who are what are their names Mothra Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it's showing my lack I of knowledge. I think you also saw
2: Rodan and King Ghidorah.
1: Okay. If I so they are saving Clegwin for the. They're, <laughs> they're saving <laughs> yeah. Clegwin.
2: Yeah, they're holding him back. They've got to massive, back.
1: massive cheggers. Got to hold back your cheggers. Yeah.
0: You got you got to, keep it. Uh, yeah. So
1: that's exciting. Um, Sam Jackson, just f- very quickly, you know, just solid, very solid. solid. Really solid. I,
2: I thought he did the best job of making something of what he was given.
1: I think he was on the wavelength. I think he more than anyone else was on the wavelength of 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 the kind of movie that this is. Mm. Um, he was fun. It was kind of a bit cartoonish, but it kind of, for me, for me, you know, it, we've seen him do that kind of stuff before. It wasn't massively groundbreaking for him, but, I, you know, he, I thought it, Packard was fun. Yeah. And the scene where he has the stare-off with Kong is just great. I mean, who doesn't want to see Samuel L. Jackson in a stare-off with... I can't remember who wins that contest.
0: <laughs> it's still going on. Yeah, it's someone's a got to that sequence. into a YouTube video where they're just staring at each other for an hour. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed. Um, I, I I thought the descent psychosis was a little bit pat, but I, I enjoyed his final showdown with Kong, where he even when he sees that Kong is a force for good, he still decides to try and kill him anyway. And then Kong, uh, basically just squashes him f- yeah. flat like a bug with a super
1: fast oh. reflexes. He quotes a line from Jurassic Park. Did you? Spot no, that? I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Hold no, on to your no. hold on to your butts. He says as he flies in in the helicopter. Amazing, really. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool. Obviously he. Um, was meant to film Jurassic Park in the same place in Hawaii where they filmed this but mm-hmm. then he didn't.
0: <laughs> okay. There is more of an anecdote there I just decided not to tell it. It says here he you Alright well look
1: Samuel L. Jackson was going to be killed by a raptor uh-huh. uh, he, uh-huh. does get, he does get killed by a raptor but you were going to actually see him being killed by the raptor but then the hurricane swept in yeah. and destroyed the set of so course, he couldn't yeah. shoot his death scene. So much better. Spielberg has
0: really good luck with that sort of stuff. You know, the, the 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 sword fight with the the Arab swordsmen and raiders would not have been as good yeah. as what happened if yeah. Harrison Ford hadn't got the shits. Uh, so this is this is a good thing. This is not ultimately. luck. That's
2: not luck. That Spielberg being
0: awesome. <laughs> Spielberg, what what are you, what are you implying here? let he spiked Harrison Ford's water than the No I'm just
2: saying that you know when, when adversity comes at him he, he thinks rises thinks his feet Yeah
0: He rises to meet the challenge Yeah Alright okay uh, and there we go that's our Kong Skull Island spoiler special ending with a eulogy by Steven Spielberg <laughs> just as it should be um, uh, Join us every Friday of course for our regular uh regular Empire Podcast. If you don't already listen to those, then please do. In terms of supporter specials, our Logan supporter special with director James Mangold is uh out now. It's two hours long, but hopefully worth it. Uh and our next spoiler special, I think, is gonna be by these free fire. Ooh. I think with the director himself talking us through every ridiculously bloody death in that film it's a lot of fun uh, so do keep your ears peeled for that one uh, until then and until our Godzilla 2 spoiler special our Kong vs Godzilla spoiler <laughs> special and our Kong vs Jeggers spoiler special it is goodbye from Helen Totally. it's goodbye from Nick goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to napalm a giant monkey and yes that is a euphemism I've been Piss Pooit <laughs> thanks Ew. for listening bye <laughs> what